Ah, woo, welcome back to the second hour of Love Babs Love Talk on Babs Rolls Ivy. I'm delighted this morning because I get to talk to uh, uh, the fabulous and talented Jack Pickford Richards from Jack Quartet. So let me let me tell you, uh, hailed by the New York Times as our leading new music foursome and described as expert in the most ferociously difficult modern scores by the New Yorker. The Jack Quartet is known for transformative, mind-broadening experiences and close listening. That's a lot. That's pretty impressive. Good morning, John. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing all right. It's good to see you. It's good to see you. I spent I spent my early part of the morning, like six o'clock this morning, listening to all the music that y'all put out <laughs> six years ago, last week. You know, I was just listening to all the music, listening. So, so tell me about this story of the of the Jack Quartet. Yeah, um, you know, we're coming up on our twentieth year together. Oh my gosh, I didn't realize it was twenty years. Yeah, it's been a while, and um, we you know we met when we were in school together, and when we finished school, we just wanted to keep playing together, and we were really just driven by this like passion and desire to work with living composers, even though we had been trained with like older classical composers playing Bach and Mozart, Beethoven. Um, but our real passion was was working with people who are alive today. And, and that's what we've been doing for the last 20 years, just commissioning and collaborating with, with living artists. Wow. So, all right. So you all are classically trained. You come together. And, and was the intent to create your own runway for this kind of music? Yeah, well, you know, I mean, the the initial intent was really just um, what our passion was, what our, what like our, I, I don't want to say it was selfish, but it's just what we liked doing. Um, but I think as we kept doing it for, for more and more years, um, we started to feel kind of an importance around developing work by living artists, you know, because there's like this whole ecosystem where artists are, are uh, relevant to what's going on in our world today. Um, and then they're also needing to survive. And so we were trying to provide opportunities to artists um, while also pursuing our own interests in the music that they make. And, and so do you find, uh, John, that uh, modern music folks today that that have a classical leaning, is, is that a is that a tough road? Is that, you know, are they not getting to play in the big in the big houses and the symphonies and all of that? Like, what's the. What's the path for them? Yeah, classical music is a little interesting right now because there's a big question of how much engagement there is from audiences. Mm -hmm. um, you know, historically, there's been like a lot of support, um, institutional and private support for classical music. But I think a lot of people are questioning that, wondering, is this the music that needs that support? Um, so there's a, there's a little bit of a, I don't want to say a crisis, but I think... Um, there's like the the model is changing. Um, it is hard out there for, you know, I play the viola and, you know, I think about how many violists um, enter the workforce each year, you know, like thousands of violists every year, but is there really a demand for that many violists? Um, so, so like the, it is, it's challenging to make money as a performing musician, but I think that there's like another side of it too, that it's just, really important for people to be interacting with the arts, um, whether it's professional or whether it makes them money or not. 
Um, and so on, in that sense, I'm really glad there's thousands of violas entering the world every year um, because I think that that musicians are thinking beautifully whether or not they're earning money doing so. Mm. So now you commission art. Do you all write your own pieces? Like, do you all get in the room and say, you know what, here's a theme or here's a thought. Like, what's the process like? Yeah, um, we we do. We've, we've done a lot of creation together. Um, sometimes we work with artists who get us to improvise together, either completely freely on our own or sort of more in line with with their vision. We've also worked with choreographers and people from the theater world um, who get us involved in creating in ways that we didn't really expect to be making art and music. Um, we have a couple of like capital C composers in the quartet who write scores that we perform <laughs> and work with electronic music as well. Um, our One of our violinists, Chris in particular, um, writes pieces pretty frequently that are really gorgeous and beautiful. And we love to just program it. It feels like family. Um, and something else that we do in the quartet is we arrange um, like medieval and Renaissance music that we think is kind of strange and peculiar. And we arrange it for <laughs> string quartets since string quartets weren't really in existence back then. What's cool about exploring really old music is that the composers back then were like lawless with their with the way they wrote music they were writing really strange harmonies and really complex rhythms um and then later it sort of became more music became sort of more standardized and so looking back before that standardization it's kind of like in a way kind of very similar to what we're doing now with experimental music today and so and so does that is that part of the allure and the excitement of what you're doing to be able to turn classical music upside down to like create your own uh, boundless style. Cause I mean, clearly you're rooted in classical music, right? Like a viola <laughs> yeah. and a violin and all the things, but, but you're not playing traditional classical music. I mean, you're doing some really interesting things. Is that, is that part of the allure of that? I think it is. Yeah. Turn it upside down. Um, also just exploring really curious intentions by the composers like sometimes composers are really stretching what's possible on an instrument and uh, we develop these techniques and new sounds that that weren't even dreamed of 50 years ago um and so the challenge of that is really exciting to me as a performer some sometimes being a performer kind of feels like being an athlete mm -hmm. um, that we're being pushed to to be our fastest and our our strongest um, and then there's this other side of it where we're driven by this curiosity around like the sonic experience. And yeah, and I really lead with that, with that, with that curiosity. So um, who's your audience? Who are y'all playing music for? Like who? <laughs> and, and, and do you find new audiences? Absolutely. Um, our audience tends to be different than a normal classical music audience, um, but it's not really like one thing. It's It depends what city we're in. We tour a lot. Um, and our audience is the one thing that's true with all of them is that they're curious. Um, they're sometimes they come from the visual art world. Uh, sometimes they're sometimes they do come from the classical world, although a lot of classical fans are scared of what we do because it's not classical really 
it's more experimental. Um, there's a lot of crossover with just general experimental music, uh, and it's it's cool to see who comes out for it. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So so tell me about collaborations with people. Like, do you do you get to do a lot of that? Like, do, are there people out there that's like you know what? I really want to mix it up with that Jack Quartet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, that comes in like lots in lots of different forms. Uh, sometimes artists will just give us a score that we play and it's more or less finished. But what I, I think I really prefer the most is when we develop things together with artists. Uh, one just popping into my mind right now is um, a dancer and visual artist named Elliot Reed, who we uh, came into contact with and commissioned a piece from. And, you know, there was never really a score. And, but we, we spent, months and months developing this piece together that we ultimately performed in Central Park uh, for uh, the audience was just whoever was coming through the park. Uh, And it's cool to work with people who don't come from classical music because they're imagining what a string quartet can do without the burden of history on their Mm. show. That's interesting. That's very, 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 very. So can you teach, John, can you teach experimental and and is there a suspension of of training to sort of teach experimental kind of music? Yeah, teaching experimental music is interesting because it kind of depends on the curiosity of the students or the people interested in studying. I I primarily try to teach that curiosity. Uh, so even if I am coaching a string quartet playing Brahms, I'm trying to get them to think of it in a way that feels new and fresh and experimental. Um, that the that we don't have to be bound by the rules of tradition. We can interpret this music by our interests today. Hmm. So now, when y'all get together, do y'all listen? Do you individually listen to other music? Like, I'm sure you must be. Are you listening to Beyonce and then like, you know what? I could take that Beyonce tune and turn it upside down. Or are you listening to, uh, you know, uh, the Rolling Stones? Or, I mean, who who are you listening to? Yeah, we have we have pretty wildly varying tastes within the quartet or interest, I should say. And I, I love that because we're constantly exposing each other to each other's interests. Um, like I spend a lot of time listening to like hard techno and like the long form aspect of that kind of electronic music is strangely similar to a lot of the, of the experimental classical music that we play, you know, that there's these small kernels of ideas that are sort of implanted into the music that unfold over long periods of time or possibly over hours. And and actually um, these like sort of systems that artists are using to create um, music in different genres are, are I'm finding more and more are strangely similar. Mm. And do you get to work across genres? Like, like does the quartet work with rock bands? Does the quartet work with jazz artists? Does the, I mean, I, I heard you talk about the dancer, but do you work with other musicians of a particular genre? Yeah, we, we have over the years worked with different people and um, in various genres, especially um genres that perform with live instruments um it's a little easier for us to slip into a live instrument mode um but i think that more and more we're we're trying to bring people into what we do 
uh, there's some there's like a difference of perspective when someone brings a quartet into their world. Sometimes it feels like maybe we're like a backup, like a backup string section. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm I'm finding that if we find really collaborative uh, situations, then both both sides develop something different than what they've been doing. It's it stretches us to be new kinds of artists. Mm. So talk to me about that. You have a new CD out. Well, you put out a new CD in 2022 called Aggregate Forms. Yeah. And uh, and I was reading up on it and the um uh, I was reading up that uh 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 um that it uses uh numbers and and all those kinds of things. I was listening to it this morning. So talk to me about this concept and this <laughs> particular type of music. Yeah. Well, so the the composer we worked with for this album's name is Catherine Lamb, and mm-hmm. she is someone we became really fascinated with uh, before we m- encountered her in real life. Um, and she goes by Cat Lamb. So like whenever we're t- like communicating, we always just use the emojis, like the cat emoji <laughs> and the lamb emoji. Um, um, she's really cool. She's from Washington State, but she's been living in Berlin for a long time. And yeah, we we came across her music on SoundCloud, and uh, what was so immediately special about it to us was just the sonic beauty of it. And what she does is she 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 writes music using uh, ratios from the overtone series, um, which which is sometimes hard to talk about, but any kind of sound that we hear is vibrating um in physics uh using the overtone series and that's where we derive a lot of our harmonies that we know and love and in the music we play um but the higher you go in the overtone series the more peculiar and unusual the harmonies get and that's that's where we we really start to explore with with cat's quartet um harmonies that feel pure and natural in our in our ears and our hearts, um, but are quite unusual compared to the music we're used to listening to. Mm. And is it hard? Like, can you can you get to that with the strings? Like, I'm like it is so hard. It's like <laughs> it's very very challenging. But like I said before, that the challenge is what pushes us and drives us. Um, the part of what's hard about it is making it not sound hard, um, because the music itself is very expansive. It's it's extremely meditative and s- slow to unfold. Um, even though while I'm playing it, I feel very active and on edge. The the um, the sound of it is is very peaceful. I find the the piece lasts um, about an hour and a half, or sometimes even longer if we really get into it. Um, and it's special. It's it's music I listen to, and it transports me into a like a beautiful headspace. I I. Uh, over and over again, I, I keep hearing the term listening music, which I thought all music was listening music, but this is a very specific term for a specific way to listen to music. Talk a little bit about that. Like, give us a little education. Yeah. I mean, there's this concept of deep listening. Um, yes. Yeah. There's uh, there's an artist who died recently named Pauline Oliveros, and she really created, she, well, I mean, she didn't create deep listening, but she really... Um, spread the concept around to a lot of people that 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 there can be this is these are my words now but there could be i think sort of passive listening where you're just experiencing it but then deep listening where you're really 
hearing the vibrations where if you hear two notes, you're hearing the relationship and the, the vibrations between them. And sometimes two notes, just, just only two notes can create more notes through what we call like difference tones or overtones. Um, you can imagine harmonies and a lot happens sonically in our ears. It's, it's really amazing. Um, once you start tuning your ears to these effects and sounds that just occur in the natural world. Wow. That is fascinating. Cause everywhere I look, um, y'all like are the leaders of deep, deep listening. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> it's always, uh, talked about in, in any, uh, uh, article or critique of y'all it's, it's deep listening. I, I love that. What is that? Like, what, like, do I have to like lean in? Like, what am I doing? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it does seem to go hand in hand with, uh, meditation and sort of just slowing down in general and I think we have always been into this way of listening but I think really I'm not sure if it's a coincidence or not that we got even deeper into it after the pandemic I think when everything did slow down during the lockdown and we it's it's like the medicine that we needed at that time was to stop playing fast notes all the time and scurrying from place to place. We needed to just sit and, and pay attention to what was going on. Mm. And so, you know, the, everybody had their, their, their way to survive the pandemic. Um, y'all been together for 20 years. How did y'all survive the pin? Did y'all continue to play like in, in, in on zoom? Like how did you... <laughs> it was tricky. I mean, we were definitely, like everyone else, we just like didn't know how long it was going to last. And so like, in retrospect, it, it seems like it, everything sort of worked out <clears throat> in terms of just like planning. But in the moment, I keep remembering that there was a sense that like we never knew when we were going to be together again, you know, like, was it going to be forever? Remember that feeling? Like, yeah, I do. I'm, I kind of forget about that now. But yeah, we all I mean, we all live in New York City. And um, I think there was some kind of like rule that you could have up to five people hanging out. I can't remember exactly, but we were pretty lucky in that sense that, you know, we didn't have to break any rules to, to be a quartet. And we would have these rehearsals and we were sitting so far apart from each other wearing masks. You know, I can't believe that we were really playing the kind of music we were playing um, that far apart from each other. Um, sometimes we would rehearse outside and, yeah, it worked out. And I'm, I feel so fortunate that um, like the government really stepped in for artists. I know that a lot of those programs during the pandemic were, you know, wrought with fraud and, um, but it worked, it worked well for us and a lot of artists I know. Yeah. And, uh, yes. It did. Yeah. I've never said that before the pandemic, you know, like the United States has always had a reputation for not supporting the arts very much. And everyone's always like, oh, in Europe, the artists live with so much support. Um, but yeah, my, my view has changed on that. I think, yeah, the government stepped up. Yeah, we did a lot of support. Uh, I, I chair the Arts Council for Greater New Haven. And, mm -hmm. uh, and we took real leadership in making sure that uh, artists had support. And, and specifically BIPOC artists who, you know, uh, have a tougher time. And so, and so uh, we worked with the city and the state to make sure that, you know, artists could pay their rent and, 
you know, their lights stayed on and, you know, their insurance was upheld and, you know, and we learned a lot about the gigging economy. Like, you know, we learned some things that people didn't know about, you know, how artists create art, make art and sustain themselves on art. So, so in that sense, the pandemic was a, a learning lesson for all of us. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I love that, that you're involved with that. Yes. I, I love artists. So that's why I jumped at the chance to talk to you because this was a, a type of music that I was not familiar with. I mean, I've heard yoga music and all kinds of techno music and, and all of that, but I've never, I've never uh, had this experience. And so I'm excited by it. So you guys are going to be uh, uh, playing at the dome at the Schwarzman center. Have you been up there yet? I haven't. It's going to be my first time. Oh, it's such a great space. You're going to love it. It's cool, a beautiful cool. space. And I think it lends itself to this particular kind of music. It's going to, you know, I could be wrong, but I think you will dig the acoustics in that space. Good. Yeah, I'm excited. I've heard a lot of great things about it. So December December 1st from 730 to 930, y'all will be at the Dome. And, uh, and it's free and open to the public, which is really nice. So people can come. And yeah. Can come and people can come. So you haven't been here yet. When are y'all coming? Just earlier that day, we'll come up from New York. Um, we've been rehearsing. We're getting ready for it. And I can't wait for it. Oh my goodness! Well, I think you'll I think you'll be pleasantly surprised by the by the space. It's fancy, yeah, <laughs> in, a, in, a, in, a, in a nice way. Like it's a <laughs> it's a very sophisticated fancy space. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I, I kind of dig this Yale. This yeah, is pretty, pretty pretty nice. So, all right. So so how often do y'all put out new music? Do you put out new music? Yeah, I mean, we we do make a lot of recordings because um, we work with so many different composers and artists. Um, I think we have around fifty albums out. Wow! Um, in the last twenty years. Um, yeah, and it feels in in many ways we're we're not really driven by our recordings as much as we they seem to sort of like be a documentation of what we're doing live on stage. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, we're always we're always doing something new. Never and so stopped. are you touring too? Like, is this your, is this your full-time avocation? Like this is it is now. Doing? Yeah. It, it, it took a long time to get to this point, but um, yeah, we're doing, we're, we're doing it full-time. I'm so grateful for it. Uh, all these artists are driving us and you know, like keeping us busy. Um, um, we, we just got off a big tour from Europe working with John Zorn, who's this legendary artist. Um, and yeah, I couldn't be happier. Okay. All right. Well, I'm, I'm excited for you all to come. And uh, I think you'll like New Haven. Uh, have you ever been to New Haven before? I have, um, but it's been a really long time since the quartet has. Okay. Well, then it, it's changed a great deal, but it's still a, a wonderful walkable city. And uh, hopefully you'll have good weather so you can get out and enjoy a little bit uh, some of the sights and sounds. And make sure that they, you know, feed you outside of the campus. Yes. <laughs> well, I'm so glad that you got to come on today, John. I, I really appreciate this conversation. And uh, and I look forward to uh, your visiting uh, New Haven and playing at the Dome. I think uh, people are in for a real treat with this music. I've been listening to it all morning. And I must say, uh, uh, it is quite a, it, it is a deliberate slow, slowing down. Do you know what I mean? Like, I can't hurry. I have to sort of, when it's on, and I noticed that this morning, that I move slower, right? Like, mm -hmm. I move slower. So it's like, it's like okay, this is this is good morning music to sort of ease into the, 
into the day. Yeah, let's slow it down. I love it. So, well, thank you so much for your time this morning. I appreciate you greatly. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's good talking with you. Oh, it's good talking with you. Thank you so much. So, and say hi to the other three. (laughs) Thank you so much, John Richards of the uh, Jack. Oh, wait, wait, before you go. Why is it called the Jack Quartet? (laughs) Yeah, when the four of us met, um, the founding members' names were John, Ari, Chris, and Kevin. It was just an acronym for our names. Oh, that is the coolest thing. And it worked out well. It's like the Gap Band. You know, you know the Gap Band. The Gap yeah, Band. sure. Yeah. Greenwood, Greenwood, Archer, and Pine. That's the streets that they lived on. Oh yeah, yeah. So, 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 so it's the same kind of vibe. So that's cool. I like knowing that little story, Jack. I like yeah. that the Jack Quartet. So, all right. I just didn't want you to go without without finding out the name. <laughs> Thank you so much, John Richards. Enjoy you. your uh, rest of your day and your weekend. You too. All right. All right. Okay, so if y'all want tickets, uh, it's up on the Facebook page. You can log in. Uh, It's open to the public and it's free. Uh, And if you've not been to the Dome at the Schwartzman Center, baby, get yourself there. It's it's such a special space. It's a very special space. And uh, I don't know what it will look like before they took it over, but it's a very nice space Um, before the Schwartzman took it over. I don't remember going up in there. but it's nice, and I've been up there for a couple of a couple of events, and it's swanky, and I think this quartet would do well uh, acoustically up there. So it'd be really nice. So get your tickets, uh, December first, seven thirty to nine thirty. Um, the dome is located on the third floor of the Yale Schwartzman Center, one sixty eight Grove Street, <laughs> New Haven. So and uh, you can register. So you can either go to uh, schwartzman.yale.edu, you know, S-C-H-W-A-R-Z-M-A-N.yale.edu and go right to their to their page and register. Or you could uh, find this show somewhere on social media under uh, the New Haven Independent, uh, WNHH Radio, or Love Babs Love Talk page and, uh, and find the link to register if you want to catch this show. So ex- experimental music is where is that, baby? experimental music so uh but i just wanted people to to know uh that uh, i had them on today and I, I enjoyed talking to him so you know i like that okay harry i maybe we'll cut it short today i don't know what do we do we can we cut it short today can we just play some music maybe we could play out their music if you find their music um play us out with their music um it's a it's a very slowing down kind of music so if you need a little respite from frenzy this might be the music for you i dug it this morning and i eased into the day listening to uh uh, uh a little a little bit of their music so all right i'll be back tomorrow oh you know who i'm talking to tomorrow i'm excited and i've been looking forward to this i'm i'm talking to ruthie uh Ruthie Gilmore, civil rights activist and professor. So she'll be on tomorrow. So uh, don't miss that. But anyway, here's some Jack Quartet. I'll see you all tomorrow.